Hello again, Adam here to reiterate that this was my first attempt at a podcast by myself. It won't be the format going forward, Brad will return, and we are making new episodes still. I just want to make that real clear as we keep going this releasing of bonus episodes. But while I'm here, I also wanted to explain why I'm so weirdly enthusiastic about this movie, Evil Bong 2 in particular. Because on its own, it's not that good of a movie, but it becomes good in comparison to the later movies. So if you watch them all in order, like I did, you'll probably find yourself saying, oh, these are terrible movies, and you're not wrong. But as you get further and further into the series, if you're like me, you'll find yourself saying, wow, the first movies, they really weren't that bad. There is a plot. Yeah, that becomes like a, a point of like, oh, it actually has a plot. That makes a good movie. It had jokes, and it wasn't as pointless. So that's where I'm coming from in this episode, when I'm raving about it as if it could stand alone. It's just really good in comparison to the other movies. Anyways, here we go again with the Mr. Pickle show. Instead of doing a silly cold open today, I'd like to talk about FullMoonDirect.com. It's the website where you can go to get DVDs and Blu-rays for the various Full Moon feature film franchises, but you can also get merch from the movies and about the movies, like lighters with Evil Bong on it, or an actual statue of Evil Bong. I really have enjoyed my experience with both the movies I've watched and the stuff I've ordered from FullMoonDirect.com. In fact, they gave me a free DVD as a bonus with my last order. So am I being sponsored by Full Moon Features? Well, I don't know, but this is the Mr. Pickle Show. <laughs> Evil Bong 2, King Bong from 2009, also known as Evil Bong 2, Devil's Harvest? Yeah, that's a little weird. It has two titles. So on the DVD cover, it says King Bong, and in the actual movie, it says Devil's Harvest in the intro. So which one is it? I don't know. But this is a fun movie. This is actually my favorite of the Evil Bong movies. Whereas the first movie was a college-centric comedy horror, this is more of an adventure movie. Which, if you're going to use comedy in this series, you may as well get rid of the horror and replace it with something you're more able to do. This is an adventure movie where the three stoners, Alistair and the delivery man Rabbit, travel to the Amazon to find the origins of the evil bong in hopes that they can heal marijuana-related super problems. There are some elements of body horror here, and they have quite a few effects, actually, that seem like they put a bit more into the budget. It's an hour and 20 minutes long, and it got a 4.4 out of 10 on IMDb. So again, this is a hard one to sell to people. They're like, oh, do I really want to watch this campy adventure comedy movie about weed? Yes, I think this is even better than the first movie. So I give it a 5.5 out of 10. If you're really looking for something that's a little bit better than the average camp, I think this is pretty good. It has a relatively clear plotline for an evil bong movie. It has a higher joke to BS ratio, like moments that are cringy or weird are vastly outshined by the joke moments. There's an improvement to the stoner characters, they have more personality, there's more sets, there's a more filled out cast, there's improved transitions, we have two Bong characters, there are no puppet sex scenes at all, and there's no outright offensive characters. Well, those last two come up a little bit more later in the series. But let's dive into the synopsis of this, because I have a theory about this movie as well. Yeah, that's right, you're getting a theory every single movie. Alright, let's dive into it. Hit it, Davey! (laughs) 
Now, as I said, this is my favorite of the Evil Bong movies because you could actually just watch this one alone. You don't need to see the first movie. The movie itself starts with a visual recap inside of the Evil Bong's body that lasts 3 minutes and 20 seconds. So you get the best of the first movie and you get this movie as well. This movie can be summed up with four segments. The first segment is at the apartment. We find Larnell very paranoid and agitated because the three stoners, himself, Bachman, and Brett, are all suffering from some supernatural marijuana-related issues. Larnell is finding his libido is ultra-charged up because for some people, weed makes your libido go crazy, I guess. He gestures with an open porn magazine and has sex with a skateboard in the first scene, so you tell me how crazy that problem seems. He deserves to be very paranoid and agitated about it. Bachman, on the other hand, is passing out suddenly and then waking up with no memory, and that's making him lose his job at a fast food restaurant. Brett can't stop eating and has gained a tremendous amount of weight, and this has caused Luann to get very upset with him and publicly berate him in front of the other guys before leaving angrily, saying she can't be seen with him, and it's really rather hurtful, but then she just leaves anyway, so. I really like the makeup effects that they did for Brett here, and all in all, he is a much more functional character this time around. He shuts down nonsense before it goes on too long and just speeds things up with, will you just shut up? It's actually really great. He has a lot of funny lines during this movie. So what do they do with this problem? They call Alistair the Egghead because he's going to help them solve the problem. And so Alistair arrives, finds out what's going on, and what does he do? He calls Rabbit's company to send him over so that they can interrogate him. When Rabbit arrives, he gets confused, and he ends up doing a who's on first base bit with Larnell for a while. I actually really like this part because it's very paranoid, and they have this paranoid music. Eventually, they give him weed to help him remember, and he lore dumps on us that he was there when Jimbo's wife packed up the bong and gave it to him to deliver, so he did see inside the box. I knew it. Jimbo's wife was divorcing him and selling stuff, and he got that bong in South America in the 1960s when he was with the Peace Corps, and when he brought it back and killed his friends before he locked it in the attic. Somehow, Rabbit knows exactly where Jimbo got the bong in South America, so they get in a plane and fly from California to Amsterdam, in Europe, and then to the Amazon, whatever. Segment 2. They are in the Amazon, and they stumble across what initially seems like a cannibal hut, but turns out to be the lodgings of a science lady named Velicity, who is studying the effects of Super Amazon Weed. They find out she's working for Grandpa Cyril, who has used the Super Amazon Weed to cure his need for a wheelchair, but not his bad attitude. She was working for both Grandpa Cyril and her dad, but her dad died, so now it's just Grandpa Cyril. And he is as nasty as usual, saying to Larnell in regard to his friends, they are as useless as an infected jockstrap. And Larnell just quietly says, you know. He also insults Rabbit, who just wants to steal some superweed. And so he steals some superweed anyways to get everybody in the grip stone. But it doesn't immediately solve the problem of Brett being really hungry and Larnell being super horny and of Bachman passing out all the time. Larnell shares that he has the broken evil bong pieces. The group learns that there's an ancient tribe called the Poontang tribe. Oh my gosh, they all think it's a joke because they know what that means. It's a lewd thing. But this lewdly named tribe are the ones who made evil bong apparently in the first place. So Felicity decides to bring the bong pieces back to Grandpa Cyril to see if he can help with this. But he just takes them and uses weed to put evil bong back together and betrays Felicity. And she kind of realizes that she's being betrayed now. We learn that Evil Bong has more victims than Charlie Manson, which I looked it up. That means Evil Bong has more victims than five people, which is not too impressive for being made by an ancient tribe. So much for being an evil bong. Kill five people in 500 years? Like, come on. Rabbit tries to team up with Cyril, but he won't let him. Then the tribal strippers of the Poontang tribe attack Cyril and take Rabbit. Felicity and Larnell are falling in love as the magic weed is actually curing them of their problems. 
Like, everybody's getting all of their problems solved now after they've smoked this magical weed. It just took a little bit. And then Cyril stumbles in the hut to ruin the mood and let them know that the tribe took the bong and rabbit and that there's another bong out there named King Bong. Yeah, King Bong is this Skull Island looking bong that sits on an altar in the woods and rabbit smokes from him because he's forced to, but I use force pretty lightly there since he was pretty willing after the tribal strippers told him to. And what's different here is that you're transported both mentally and physically into the bong realm, and that's actually just how it works from now on. Which brings us to segment three. The group arrives at the altar to try and save Rabbit, and instead of all of them going in at first, they decide to just send Bachman and Brett in. And that brings us to the King Bong realm. This is pretty much just a blank stage with some plants and stuff around it. Everything's dark. It's supposed to look like a jungle-ish area. And there are some tribal strippers in here who immediately seduce Bachman and Brett and then tie up their hands. So what do they do next? They send in Alistair, because I guess they know that Bachman and Brett failed. Alistair resists the seduction, but then he gets slapped out in one hit, so they didn't send in their fighter, that's for sure. So who do they send in next? Larnell enters, and he finds the knocked out Alistair, who teams up with him to find the tribal strippers are rolling Rabbit up as a giant doobie. And that's what he says, is they're rolling me up as a doobie! And then they shrink him down to a normal size, and his voice obviously goes very high-pitched, and they're about to smoke him. So Larnell and Alistair spot the medallion on the King Bong and realize they need to attack the symbol of his power, so they attack the tribal strippers who don't fight back at all now, and Larnell destroys the medallion with a leg bone, which sends them all outside of the bong. And kills King Bong? This brings us to segment four. Everybody is heading back home, except Larnell and Felicity. Larnell just decides to stay here with Felicity and do all the research with her. Back at the apartment, Alistair is clearly happy that he's no longer in the Amazon, and Bachman has his job back now that he can stay awake. And Luann shows back up, because she wants to be back with Brett now that he looks normal. It's a really happy moment for the couple-ish, because he's like, yeah, you said some really hurtful words. But what I really like about Brett after he got back to normal, like he immediately lost the weight. Like after he smoked that weed and time passed so that it could help everybody else, he lost the weight immediately. And so he has these fat clothes on that just hang on him because he's actually not fat. Uh, it's kind of funny to me. So after Luann and Brett make up, sort of, <laughs> there's another knock at the door and Bachman's best line in the movie, maybe even the entire series is, oh. Knocking must signify the arrival of yet another character. <laughs> I'm butchering it. You gotta watch it just for that at the end. Rabbit is the one who's showed up at the door as a Catholic priest now, since he promised God that if he didn't die by being rolled into a joint and smoked by King Bong, that he'd give up drinking, smoking, and whoring. But he actually went back in the moment on not whoring, so... He's just not gonna drink and he's not gonna smoke, but he'll serve God as a priest. But then Bachman offers a smoke, and the priest rabbit accepts because he's full of trickery. The credits roll, and we have King Bong Sing talking about how angry he is at Evil Bong and how he's totally not scared of her, but don't tell her. Oh, it's a wild movie, and it truly is my favorite. Now, before we go on to what I think this movie is trying to tell us about this universe, let's get a word from my sponsors. Let's see what they've cooked up this time. Hey dude, I'm so hydrated, I keep leaking hydration out of my skin flesh. How can I reduce this humiliating condition while also impressing the drug abusing crowds in my life that I consider cool even though I understand I shouldn't be emulating them? Pickle vitamins! Get your salt on! Wow, is it that easy? Pickle vitamins! Get your salt on! Eat your salt, sweetie. Don't worry, mom. I already have. 
Now coming in multiple flavors, strawberry, pickle, salt, vanilla, and cucumber. When you're listening to the Mr. Pickle Show, the only thing that can really satisfy your thirst is Mr. Pickle's beer. It's the only beer sponsored by the Mr. Pickle Show. It may not taste like actual pickles, but it's got all the charm you'd expect. Let's crack one open now. I'm Mr. Pickles. Oh no, not this guy again. Why are you in my beer? Let's watch Begotten. Why do you even want to watch Begotten? Elias Murray is the director. Not good enough. I don't care if he directed Shadow of the Vampire. Explain why we should watch Begotten. Fun. No, it's not fun. But Evil Bong is. Yes, Evil Bong is campy good fun. Begotten is literally nightmare fuel. Martyrs. No, we're not watching French torture porn. Hostel. No, we're not watching American torture porn. Where the dead go to die. No, we're not watching CGI torture porn. Panic a village. No, wait. Yeah, actually, I am down for some quality French stop-motion animation. Maybe after I'm done with the Evil Bong series? Yeah, that's okay. Good, let's get back to the show then. Yeah, okay. I just read that there's a warning. You should not mix your pickle beer with pickle vitamins because you might get really dehydrated. <laughs> alright, alright, alright. Let's get to the theory here. The last theory was about what the movie believes. This is what I think the movie is trying to say or imply that's happening in the background. What struck me was it was really suspicious to me how positively things turned out in the first movie. After all, Evil Bong seems to need people in her Bong realm, either dying or held hostage, in order to gain power or life or something. So how did Jimbo just get a bomb into the Bong realm? Why didn't everybody have the same fate as Jimbo in the Bong Realm instead of waking up outside of the Bong Realm? Why is it so easy to repair a broken evil Bong? Why did something as simple as vitamins make things safe for Janet and Alistair? The answer is because she lit them out. Every one of those questions is best answered that way. Is evil Bong either incompetent or is she the slow acting trap? One of the properties of THC is that it builds up in the system and leaves rather slowly. That's why it's really easy to drug test for it compared to some of the other drugs that get out of your system quicker. So I think that Evil Bong needs to get people to smoke many times in order to get the results that she actually wants. She wants 100% of the brain cells of her victims, like Jimbo said, and I think that maybe if she only gets you into the Evil Bong realm once or twice, that doesn't give that much energy to her. It crossed my mind that maybe Evil Bong just let everybody out of the Bong realm so that they could go to find her origins and then defeat her nemesis King Bong, because they mentioned in the movie that the tribe originally belonged with Evil Bong, and then King Bong came in and took over, so that's probably why she's on the side of the stoners and Alistair and all them. But maybe it wasn't a territorial thing. Maybe she legitimately wanted to get King Bong defeated, because that might make it look like she's not as evil as him, and then the stoners might be like, well... Maybe we should just keep smoking from Evil Bong, because she's not that evil. She's kind of our ally. She helped us. Why would she hurt us? Something that really sold this idea for me is that Alistair and Luann have no side effects, even though they smoked once out of the Evil Bong. Because they only smoked once out of the Evil Bong, I don't think she has enough of an effect on them that she can actually give these negative side effects that push them further into this trap. Because isn't that what these side effects are? With these side effects, there's literally nothing the stoners can do other than tolerate these side effects until they die, or go back to Evil Bong for some more. 
So my theory is that Evil Bong lit the stoners out in the first movie because she needs to keep trapping them over and over in order to gain more power from them. I hope you've enjoyed this episode on Evil Bong 2, King Bong, or Devil's Harvest. Even if you think I'm suffering from acute Evil Bong survival-related side effects, I appreciate you listening to the show. I'm Mr. Pickles, and this has been The Mr. Pickle Show. Oh.